0: welcome to another episode of ride with janice today we're talking with linda pirelli known globally as an incredible horse trainer rider author and creator of happy horse happy life a training program where you can inspire your horse and yourself janice and linda have been friends and colleagues for many years join them as they talk about fear leadership Horse and Human Psychology, and How to Stay Motivated and Empowered with Horses, a not to miss episode. No horse required for this one, just sit back and enjoy. Over to Janice and Linda.
1: Um, hey riders, Janice Dulac here, Pilates for Dressage, the training and support you need to turn your rides into moments. I am having a moment here with my good friend and colleague, Linda Pirelli. Linda absolutely does not need any introduction from me. Uh, We've worked together for over a decade, and if you don't know about Linda Pirelli, you will after this interview, and um, you can just go online and you'll see the extensive things she's done over the years and years and years. She's been a wonderful horsewoman and uh, kind of a pioneer in lots of different different ways. So um, since most people know about you, I'd like you you to tell us a little bit about your new program, Happy Horse, Happy Life, and just introduce
2: you that way. Yes, well hello everybody first (laughs) of all. Thank you Janice. Um, When I was trying to think of a program, I always try to look at where are the gaps? What's missing? When I'm helping people, you know, what do they need that they can't get right now? And So I thought about training horses because a lot of us, we get into horses because we wanna have fun and it's a dream, but we never ever thought that we'd have to be our horse's trainer. And so when I'm talking to recreational people, they don't have professional trainers that they work with all the time. And so spending the last 30 years primarily in the recreational industry, I just really found that people Either had trainers or they didn't have trainers. And if they had trainers, then it was usually because they did dressage or jumping or they did some kind of competitive sport. But in the recreational world, it was like, well, I just want to enjoy my horse. And a lot of the time it was trail riding or um, also um, dressage, mostly low to mid level, not high level, because then you really do need a coach and, you know, So I thought I really need to teach people how to train their own horse just for the things that they want to do. And, of course, you know, a lot of people become interested because they've got horses with behavioral issues and they (laughs) don't know how to deal with it. And so that's basically what I did for the last 30 years in Pirelli Natural Horsemanship. But then, you know, being out on my own now, I went, there's still something missing. And so to me it was about, okay... Uh, to some extent leadership what do you want your horse to do and how do you want him to be and everyone goes I want my horse to be happy so well let's (laughs) what does that mean how do you know if your horse is happy and so that's what I've done is I've created a program to help people train a happy horse so that they can have a happy life with a happy horse that's
1: just awesome (laughs) that's great honestly that's what we all want we want our horses to be happy so we can be happy
2: yeah, and it you know, it really applies to whatever you do. Like I'm not teaching dressage or jumping or reining, but I teach people how to look after their horse's mental and emotional state if they are doing all those kinds of things. So it dovetails very nicely with any discipline because it's behavioral training, it's not that discipline. So in a way it's not competing with that, it's supporting it so that you know you can have your happy horse and do what you want. Great, I love that. So, um, I want to know what motivates you as a rider? Oh, God, I want to be good. And I mean, you and I go back so (laughs) many years, and, you know, we both would talk about this. It's like, uh, and then I think about, you know, well, what does good mean? And you can have judges, you know, that will tell you if it's good or not. But I want my judge to be the horse. That's a concept. Mm. So, you know, we can say, all right, what's a good rider? And people will often say, oh, that they can do changes and, you know, passage, and they can compete and do really well, or they can jump or do cross country or reining or, you know, whatever the sport is. But if you ask the horse, what's a good rider? It's going to give you a very different answer. He's not going to go, well, can you do lead changes? Like if he was interviewing you. Do I want you as an owner? He's not going to ask you about your lead changes and Piaf Passage and jumping and your show experience. He's going to go, well, where's your heart? Do you care about me or do you only care about you? And then when you sit on me, and this is where I learned so much from you, um, are you in my way? Are you with me? Can you lead me with your body? Are you, like, do I watch you coming to me, putting a saddle on and going oh boy, let's dance, or do I go, oh God, (laughs) you know, this is going to be very uncomfortable because I, you know, because the person doesn't ride very well, and even though I could ride quite well, I couldn't ride in the way that I'm speaking, you know, back then, and especially when I started to talk with you and, and you started coaching me, the things then that I understood about the horse's body, because you helped me feel them in my body, took my riding to a whole other level. So I think horses judge you by your heart and your, um, your wish to collaborate instead of just dominate and how you sit, how you handle the reins, and how you teach them. So that, yeah,
1: that's a great motivation. You just want to be good and Good enough for your horse that your horse is happy to see you.
2: Yeah. I want my horse to go a oh, boy.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> Not a oh god. <laughs> Not turn around and head Ugh. the other way yeah. when they see you coming. That happens. Yes, it, it does. Happens. That's why I have a job. <laughs> and you too, probably. Yeah, job security.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: So in your career as a rider and trainer, what physical issues have you
2: had and what have you done to deal with them? Physical issues. Right. In my in my own body. Yes. You know, I've been very lucky. I've I've really not had physical issues like debilitating things. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've had accidents but recovered from them. But I never really had back pain and leg pain and all that kind of thing. You're lucky. I know. Well, I uh, I was going to say until I worked with you. But that's (laughs) not right. I mean, you would say, well, where do you hurt? And I'd point and you'd go, good, that's the place you should (laughs) hurt. But not like in your back and your joints and things like that. So I think that I was pretty lucky because I was really trying to feel the horse and go with the horse, but I didn't really know how to lead the horse with my body. So I was very lucky not to have physical issues. Now, when I started working with you and you started going, well, you know, this shoulder's up and this hip's forward and that's, you know, I was I thought I was straight, but you were like, well, no. And so now if you think about those as physical issues, oh. they weren't problems it was just lack of awareness and lack of education so I've been very lucky to not you know have that that's great Mm. so most
1: everyone has experienced fear at some point in their horse journey either in the saddle or on the ground Um, has that ever happened to you Um, and
2: how did you overcome that you know many years ago I had a horse that um, I should have been more scared of but, you know, you go through that thing of like, don't ever let the horse know that you're afraid. Mm-hmm. And you just ride it through. And you've got to be brave. And, you know, and, and people, you are more scared of people if you got off your horse and showed fear because then you'd be ridiculed for that. So I'm go- going back into my teens. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then in my 20s, I didn't ride for a while uh, because I got very involved in business when I was living in Australia. So my ponies were retired. But then... In my late 20s, I got a horse that bolted, and he would run off with me. And I was scared, but I didn't admit it. I'd kind of wrestle through it, and I was fortunate not to have any really bad accidents. I had them, but nothing really, really bad. I don't know why, but I was lucky. But then, um, when I started to know more about natural horsemanship and get off your horse and, you know, You can't just pretend you're brave because the horse really needs you to be calm and confident. And if you're afraid, it's worse for the horse. So get off before you get killed. And, you know, I learned a lot about ground skills so that I could help the horse get, you know, back on track. And then I could get back on. But I had a horse, Allure, who you knew, who really was very challenging and very athletic. I mean, he could get six foot in the air without me even knowing that he started to do it. and he's in the air and you know could bark like crazy and I found myself not riding him very much and I didn't know it was fear I was like oh well I have to wash my hair I have to vacuum the house I don't have time but once I was actually doing a lecture about fear and I started talking about excuses you make to not go riding and that's really fear and I went oh my god that's me I'm afraid to ride him. I don't have enough skills. So go, oh, i go, i got to learn more. i got to know more. But I didn't realize fear was at the root of it. And so that put me on a different track where I started to recognize it as that. Not just that I didn't have the skills. I actually did have the skills. But my fear was in the way. And so that's the last time that I used the wrong name for fear. If I can put it that way. And it wasn't like deathly afraid. Mm -hmm. I I sweat when I think about it. Mm -hmm. But there was just this, I don't want to ride him. And I didn't admit why to myself. I didn't know why.
1: So did you overcome that? Yes, I did.
2: You did. Mm -hmm. Because then I started, because what happened was when I finally realized it was fear, lack of confidence, I, I stopped avoiding him. So then I would play with him on the ground and I would start rehearsing in my brain what I would do to ride him. And whenever I felt that fear, I'd retreat either physically or in my mind, which is what I teach people when I do fear makeovers. And I started doing that on myself. And then pretty soon I was riding him and if ever I got some butterflies, I'd get off. And this was at the time also that um, we were on tour, you know, with the with Pirelli Natural Horsemanship and I would bring him on to show him to people and what I was going through because I always live my life like in public. <laughs> Here are my problems I've got with my horses and what I'm learning. And um, I would play with him for about 30 minutes on the ground to get a four minute ride. And then at the wow. end of four minutes, I was pretty much out of strategies because if I wasn't a good enough leader, then he'd start making up stuff that I couldn't deal with, that he'd take over. And so I would, I would feel things start to change And I would tell the audience and I'd get off and I was in the restroom and some of the audience members were in the restroom, not all of them, a few. (laughs) And um, I heard these women talking about me and they didn't know I'm in the stall next to them. Yeah. And they said, well, I don't know about that, you know, that horse. He didn't look that tough to me. And when she said she, you know, she needed to get off because he was starting to go south, um, he didn't look like he was any problem. And I went, that's what people miss. Because we wait till the horse is hanging off the rafters or twisting around and getting out of control. And then we go, I better get off. Mm. Or, well, most of the time we get thrown off and we go, Mm -hmm. I should have got off. Yeah. But I learned to feel those feelings in the horse. And then it was even before I got butterflies and I would get off. And then that is what helped my confidence. But I felt so happy that they couldn't see it, but I could feel it, and that's really what I try to teach people. Because, um, you know, not only do we get butterflies, but the horse might. And if we can feel their butterflies or our butterflies, and in that moment do the right thing, then that's how you can make progress. Because if you blow through those, it, it something's going to go bad, you know. And and I always say, you know, you can mend broken bones, but it's very difficult to restore confidence. Very difficult. So get off and maintain your confidence, protect that. I protect that to this day. If a horse is really having trouble, I'm off and I'll fix it up and make sure the horse is rideable. I'm in good shape and then I can carry on. That's, that's great, that's mm. a great story. And I've known you for all these years and
1: mm. had
2: no idea. Yeah,
1: that's, that's great. I actually
2: haven't talked about that in a long time. Yeah, mm. I love that. Mm.
1: So you have lots of students all over the world this is a hard question, but do you see any common mistakes they make? Like, can you just, I mean, you probably can see 20, but is, are there a few common mistakes that you see? Maybe that's it. Maybe they're—maybe uh, one of them is they're afraid and they don't get off. They push that through fear. Be. Yeah, I,
2: um, you know, I, I have a funny way that I think about mistakes because to me, a mistake is only something you make if you know better. And you uh, go, oh, okay. I shouldn't have done that. I knew I shouldn't have done that. But otherwise, it's a learning experience. So if you don't know any better, well then it's not a mistake, but it's a learning experience. And boy, do you learn from some of those. So I don't know that I would say mistakes so much. Um, I would say that it's around leadership. And you know, my business is filled with horse lovers and people who want horses to be happy and so we tend to give the leadership over to our horses without realizing. Oh, I do that all the time. Oh, Janice, you that. never do that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I don't want to be mean and I don't want to be bossy and then another B word because women, you know, leadership and the B word are, are very connected, and so we shy away from that. And then quite often, you know, we don't think of ourselves as leaders unless we're executives and managers and you know in business. But we forget that um, as mothers, we're leaders. You know, for kids. And we're leaders if we're trying to get our dogs to behave. And um, even Gandhi was a leader. Like, you don't have to be a badass to be a a leader. Mm -hmm. But um, if you allow the horse to be the leader, your days are numbered because horses do not make good decisions for us. And so to have a plan for the horse, to go, okay, I want you to be happy. And I bought you, you had no say in it. And Um, now I want you to be my fill-in-the-blank how do I lead my horse to that end? What's my plan? How am I going to do this in the short term, in the long term, um, let alone every session? and so I find that a lot of what I'm teaching a lot is leadership for people to have a plan and to be a good mentor and teacher for their horse and uh, it almost doesn't matter how many Techniques, you know, if you don't have that feeling of come dance with me and I'm going to lead the dance You're going to have trouble Because if if you're not a good leader a horse will be confused or because he's not really sure what's wanted He doesn't know how to be right or he'll go. Well, you're not good. I'm going to take over Or if it's more of a fearful horse, they go. Well, you're not a good leader I I need to be with that horse and then that's often why they are herd bound so I would say leadership is probably the one thing that most people go, oh, God, I never thought about that. No. I mean,
1: honestly, um, and since I haven't been working with you in a while because we're both off on our own businesses yeah. right now, I just haven't thought about that in a while. So that's an um, unawareness, maybe. Not a mistake, but it's just Absolutely. An, it's, a, it's an unawareness that we are not um, living up to what our horse needs us to be, right? They're looking for yeah. a leader. Yeah.
2: Even Finnegan, you think. Even that guy, but he's going to challenge you for how well, how good are you? But you know, you're a little bit ahead of the game because you have dressage goals and you have somebody that you work with, so you've probably got a fairly good routine and you're going up the levels. So there's a plan just by following that, mm-hmm. but for a lot of people, there's no plan, you know, and they've never thought they had to have one. And that, and one of the problems with that is that people can lose interest in. Riding, You know, you start to see horses more in the pasture than anything else, and not from a fear perspective, but more because they're kind of bored. They don't know where to go next. They don't know what to do. They're not competitive, so they're not thinking about, you know, oh, I've got to get my horse up the levels or anything like that. And so then I think a lot of people lose motivation because they've got nothing to shoot for that's exciting, you know. you got to have a big-ass goal. <laughs> I was like even a little-ass goal, you know, right. but... I I wanna wake up every morning excited about my horses and what I'm going to do. And in fact, years ago, right before I went back to dressage, um, I was at the top of my game. I was doing shows all over the world, you know, expos, demos, and um, I could ride my horse bareback and bridleless, I could jump, I could do liberty, I could do all of this kind of stuff. And then I suddenly found myself doing more work in the office, Than going out with my horses, so I would make. I kept thinking that was like a priority, and then one day it was a little bit like that fear thing. One day I went, "Why am I not out there?" I used to be so passionate about. Oh, I can't wait to ride my horses, you know. And yes, I had a lot of work, and it was you know we were building a big business at the time, but still I had time to do my horses if I would make time. And so as I kind of dug deep into my psyche, I suddenly went, you know what? I don't have a goal. I'm at the top of my field in natural horsemanship. What now? And so I realized that was the problem. And so I started to think what do I really want to do? And I went, I want to go back to dressage because I was, you know, doing trying to do dressage before I went in the whole natural horsemanship journey. And so then 20 years later, I'm like, I wanna go back to dressage. And that's when I met Walter Zettel and then started studying with him. And then the passion was back because I, I had goals, clear goals, what I want to do. And so I'd be thinking about it and in the morning I'd go, what am I gonna do? And then I started um, changing when I was going to ride because I used to ride at the end of the day and sometimes I was exhausted. So I could do one horse, but not two. Um, and then I went, I'm going to change it. I'm going to put writing as my priority. So I would make the morning or however much time I could do in the morning. Then I could work later in the evening if I wanted to. And to this day, I've done that. My priority is the morning is my writing and teaching. It fuels me, um, as a human being because that's my passion is horses. And it also fuels me as a teacher and a writer. So it gives me the energy for the rest of the day. So a big ass goal.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's, that's inspiring. Even a little last one. <laughs> I like that. That's great. I know you talk a lot about psychology of both horses and riders. Mm. Um, do you find that riders have mental barriers that stop them become, to become, I mean, I guess you have, stop them becoming the rider they want to be. Yes. Um, and what, you know, so I guess you've kind of spoken to this a little bit, but.
2: Yeah, I'm very lucky because the people who come and study with me are highly motivated. Like they have goals, they want to be good. And um, I mean, people that aren't that goal oriented or that passionate about their goals really don't spend the time and money to come and be with me. Um, but you know, they'll be motivated by things that I do and my membership and things like that. But their life's a little bit different mm-hmm. um but i would say it really relates back to the last question that you asked me when people get really passionate about something mm-hmm. with their horses then they're going to put the effort in um to do it but and then motivation. i guess
1: we can go back to that fear thing that you you were talking about that was such an interesting thing that's probably the biggest mental barrier i would think i think
2: so i think a lack of confidence mm-hmm. even if it's not just fear like some right. people don't right. think well it's not Fear, but I, right. I don't feel really confident either. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing is that they don't know what to do. What am I going to go do with my horse? Right. You know, and the social part of it, I think, is very important for some people. Um, I know, like, horses used to be, um, even though they were my career, you know, with natural horsemanship, um, they, they were not really my recreation. hmm But... I got a lot of pleasure, and and they fueled my brain and my teaching and all that kind of thing. So I didn't go riding to relax. I went riding because I wanted to achieve things or you know discover things and learn things. But I think a lot of people they want to go relax, and the horse is difficult, or they don't feel motivated because they're riding by themselves, playing by themselves, and. Even though my horses were not for my recreation, I, I would ride by myself. I'd have my arena right next to my house and I'd go out and at the end of the day and I'd play with my horses. Or at a certain point, you know, I'd change to the mornings. But then I started to get long-term students who were apprentices and protégés. And so then I would start riding with them. And then I couldn't ride by myself. If they went away, I, I almost didn't have motivation to go and ride because I was like, oh, I want to be, you know, I wish those guys were with me. Mm -hmm. And it was a very different experience. And to this day, I have to put myself in a different mindset because I'm used to having two or three people around me all the time. Mm -hmm. And we ride together and we train and we talk. So it's become a little bit more social as well. So I think that's a bit of an obstacle for people if they have to be by themselves. And that's where I think then they like going in in groups with trail riders or Mm -hmm. to clinics, you know, and things like that to get that social stimulation.
1: Yeah, I've been um here alone on the farm a lot. I mean, thank goodness for Alejandro coming three days a week. But it's um, it is hard sometimes to get that motivation and and uh, to go out and to because it is hard work. It's not well. what no. we do is not necessarily recreation, as you said. No, it's a study and a yes discipline
2: and and uh,
1: yeah, a research.
2: Exactly. And then, you know, I love to talk about it. Like when we get together, we're like, you know, and so that's one of the things that I also get with my long term students is that, you know, we get that mental fodder where we can talk about what happened and discuss problems. And when you're writing by yourself, who do you do that with? And that's why I have a membership so that there's this virtual community Mm -hmm. that, you know, you're all kind of in the same um, boat, you know, you all want your horses to be happy. You love playing on the ground. You ride as well. You want to be good. You know, your stuff's on my site. And so I think that helps also, you know, to keep people more motivated and have a, a virtual social yeah, <laughs> horse that's life. A, yeah, that's a that's a great um, service you're doing for a lot of people because, um, yeah, it's important. And people love it. I mean, I've heard some incredible stories, you know, where they've made really good friends through the membership. And then, you know, some people have had a tragedy in their life and then they've gone and, and spent time with that person or they got so much support from the member. It was like, they're amazing. They're really moving stories, you know, or their horse gets sick and they just get all this support, you know.
1: That's great yeah. because, yeah, sometimes you do, you know, when you have a horse and you have it at your farm, I mean, if you, maybe if you board somewhere, there is a social yeah thing that naturally happens. Mm-hmm. But when you have your horses on your own farm, sometimes you can feel um, isolated so that's fantastic. Yes. And I know people who've dreamed of it.
2: It's like, oh, I can't wait to have my own place. And then they go, <laughs> right. I miss everybody. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So what are your riding goals right now? I know you always want well, to be want a to good rider. <laughs> you want to be good. That's... So um, you have um, Jazz and Highland, right? Mm-hmm. And so what are you doing with them? And, and how do you feel you're progressing them?
2: Well, you know, through the COVID time, uh, it was a little difficult because, I, you know, I'm at the stage where I need coaching. Because, I don't know, you know, it's kind of the blind leading the blind. I'm making it up. I want to learn how to ride Grand Prix. And I'm doing it on a horse that doesn't know it. So I'm doing the difficult thing, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm learning and then I'm trying to teach my horse. And so um, that's still my goal, but I don't have a timeline. Mm -hmm. But every day I'm working towards that end. And so just earlier this year, I was able to connect with my longtime friend, Luis Lucio, who's from Spain, and he's a two-time Olympian. And he was on the dressage committee as the trainer's delegate. And he was the director of the um, the Spanish team. And, you know, he's very high level. And he's been doing horse psychology and natural horsemanship since, since 2000. Wow. So he's very, very knowledgeable. And we've never really been able to spend time together and then he kind of suffered through the COVID thing as well um, because you know he couldn't travel and a lot of his business was traveling and so he called me and he said can I come out and in December and I said yeah and he said well when can you do it and I gave him a window that was 10 days and he said okay I booked my flight came out for 10 days I thought he was gonna come out for a few days and then go around America or you know whatever so we spent ten days together, and it was phenomenal. And the the way his information has evolved, as well as mine, I mean, we had the biggest brain melts. And what he helped me do with my horse just took me on such a big leap forward that I, you know, been pretty stagnant in some way for two years. Um, and so then I've been studying with him all this year, and I'm finally making, you know, good progress again. With Highland, you know, Grand Prix is not, he's not built for that. Jazz Mm -hmm. is very much built for that. Mm -hmm. And I'm just learning a lot. And, um, you know, I need to get with you again. But, you know, every time I get stuck, I call you. (laughs) I know, and I need to get with you again. It's just like, (laughs) I understand. So, yeah, so that's, you know, that's my big goal. And then with Highland, it's just, it's kind of bringing him along levels. I'd be lucky if he does third. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe fourth, I don't know, but third level. But he loves to jump. And so, um, you know, I entertain him with that and I learn more about the psychology of jumping. And then he's a challenging horse to ride. You know, he's a lot of horse and he's got a big movement. And so that's always a good challenge for me to go, Mm -hmm. how do I become the rider that he needs?
1: I know. And he's certainly... um an independent sort. <laughs> yes, he is.
2: He's got that too. i so.
1: jumping all over your fields, out of in yeah.
2: and out of paddocks, and he kind of does what he wants to do. That must be hard to be a leader for him. Everyone goes, where's Highland? It's like he can be in this paddock, that paddock. He just jumps everything, thankfully, within my property. That's, yeah, that's
1: important. <laughs> so um, as we're kind of closing up here, um, what would your best advice be for riders of all kinds, what's your best advice? I think we know it by now, but you can, you can
2: tell us. Yeah, I, I would say to have a clear picture of what you want, you know, which comes back to that leadership thing. Because if you know what you want, then you can make steady steps towards it. Because horsemanship is not easy. You know, it's not like owning a cat and you can put food out, you know, if you go away for a few days and the cat's his own soul anyway. With horses, you know, you can't just have them as backyard pets. You know, there's there's a lot of care. And you love them, so now what? And if you want to ride them, you know, now what? How good do you want to be? So I think a plan is really important. And then, you know, I keep talking about it from the, the human's point of view, but I also think about it from the horse's point of view because they're just out in a paddock. What kind of life is that, you know? They don't get to play, like, in a herd. They don't get to travel on 30,000 acres and, you know, run from predators and fight with each other. And, you know, that's so natural for horses. And I think it affects them psychologically when they don't have that kind of herd interaction. Mm -hmm. And so um, to be part of, like, to be the leader in their herd and teach them and help them become more... Mentally, emotionally, and physically fit. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be athletes. You don't have to, you know, do what we're doing and be manic about, you know, our sport. Mm-hmm. But how can you get your horse to have a happier life? You know, to interact with you and not just go. Oh, we're going to ride around in circles, or, you know, we just wrestle for the next hour. Mm-hmm. H- how can I, you know, help this horse? discover his potential to the best of my ability and you know I've watched it now with several horses that I've developed they just become incredible creatures you know they're more interactive they're happier they don't get stressed they don't get sick you know there's just this wonderful feeling that I think we both have for being for growing together that's great that's Mm. that's really growing together Thank you so
1: much for coming, Linda, today and spending your time. I know you're a busy person. For more about Linda, you can go to happyhorsehappylife.com. She has a Facebook page and she has a program that you can subscribe to. And you can go to her website and sign up for a free two-week trial with her online program. It's amazing and I highly recommend it. Janice Dulac, Pilates for Dressage. Until next time.
0: Thanks for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with Linda Pirelli and find out more about Happy Horse, Happy Life, be sure to visit our show notes. All the links you need are there. If you'd like to leave us a review and give us a rate on your podcast provider, we would greatly appreciate it. We look forward to you joining us in another episode of Ride with Janice. Until then.